everybody. We are live from a vehicle. Woo! <laughs> and this quick. is a big nerdy quickie. And a couple of us from B&Q just saw Ready Player One, which has been described by some reviewers as the nerdiest film ever made. So we felt it only our due duty to see this film. Who went with me to see it? Well, we have Matt, of course. You said duty. <laughs> uh, we have Rachel. Hello. And we have uh, JP. All the way in the back of the car. <laughs> so you get for being tall. <laughs> and we have uh, Deja on the show for the first time, but always a longtime fan. Hello. <laughs> uh, so, we are recording this on the Podbean mobile app, so if it works well, this is an endorsement for Podbean. If not, this is not. So, you know, do it as you will. Uh, and, of course, I do, would be remiss to say that this uh, episode is brought to you, of course, as always, by Fleetwit, where you can go on and play trivia questions for real prizes, and sometimes that trivia knowledge may end up winning you a company in 2045. Yes, uh, so it's very useful knowledge. Uh, Ready Player One, of course, is based on the book by Ernest Cline, uh, the blockbuster book from a few years ago, and basic story, bare basics. Uh, in 2045, the world is full of crap, so everyone lives in this virtual reality called the Oasis. When the person who created the Oasis dies, he leaves behind three challenges and an Easter egg, Find the egg, and you can take over Oasis, and therefore basically take over the most important resource in the world. There's a lot more to it, but there's a lot to unpack with this movie. We're going to keep it short, uh, so we'll just get our first impressions. Uh, Rachel, what are your thoughts on the film? Well, I'm not going to lie. I kind of watched the film, expecting it to just be like geekdom amplified for the sake of geekdom. But I actually thought it was pretty smart. Um, I did think they packed in a ton of references, uh, more, more so, more or less because you, everyone gets at least one reference. I mean, you're, you know, every, every geek, every gamer, everybody from the 80s is gonna get at least one reference in the show, or in this, in this movie. So, while I thought it was, like, ridiculously geeky, uh, there's nothing really wrong with that, and, um, basically it's like everything. Thing you could have ever wanted all smooshed into one giant movie. <laughs> Except the Avengers, which just smooshed them all into the next movie coming out, the big one. Uh, Deja, uh, what were your thoughts on the movie? <laughs> I was having fun counting the number of times I saw Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> he did show up quite a few times. Uh, Matt, you told me on the way out that it was entertaining, but you may, they may have packed too many people into this. Yeah, there, there was... There was a lot going on in every second of it. I mean, there were there were a ton of great references. I I, th I think one of my favorite little things was when they had all the different people running across the screen, and there were like twenty or thirty people who were all Master Chief, but everybody else was different. <laughs> and I I felt like that. That's how I like. Wow, it's a Halo fandom, in a nutshell, aptly described in a single <laughs> image. And in the real world, they're all running in formation with a <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, they're, they're, they're probably running up to people who have recently died and squatting and standing up over their head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, or they're just spawn camping. 
Yeah. Like noobs. Although that that was pretty cool when they said, that's a camper move. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, it's Jay- a legitimate tactic. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> uh, JP, what are your thoughts on the movie? I thought the movie moved very quickly for uh, almost two and a half hours that it was. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that I really appreciated were uh, just how how organically they seem to fit the overly high number of pop culture references into that movie so smoothly. Uh, I I appreciate that. I I came expecting it to be exactly that, just a big giant nerdgasm for two and a half hours with no real real supporting storyline. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought the storyline was actually really good. The ending I did not see coming, especially having not read the book. Um... And I, I really, I thought the, the effects were just phenomenal throughout, so I would definitely give the movie at least four out of five stars right there, personally. Um, and I, I guess a side note is, I can proudly say that I have found that Easter egg at the end of the movie as well, <laughs> without giving away a spoiler there. Yeah, uh, we'll get to spoilers in one second, but yeah, my initial impressions... I'm the, probably the biggest fan of us five of Ready Player One. Ed has seen this movie and loves the book. I don't know if Colleen's seen it, but she loves the book. We're the three who love this book in our group. And I can say, as a reader of Ready Player One, this movie lives up to the hype I've been giving it for the past three or four years. I mean, this is, to me, was hyped as much as a Star Trek movie. Because I've loved this book so much. And it lived up to it. Even though Ed and I both agree, the plot line in the movie is very different from the book. The bare bones is the same of the challenges to get to the Easter egg and some of the plot reveals about the characters, but the pop culture references and the challenges themselves are very different, and the creation of this other corporation is kind of distinct to have a a different kind of a villain. Uh, So it's a a different twist, but it made it more cinematic. Uh, you can never doubt Spielberg's in- instincts when it comes to making a entertaining movie, and he came through again, I think, on this one. Uh, so, if you haven't seen the movie, this is the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, <laughs> if you have seen it, you can continue on for the next few minutes. Uh, so, let's talk spoilers. First of all, a couple things that I saw immediately in, uh, that were different from the book. Number one, in the book... The Artemis reveal in real life doesn't happen until the end, uh, who she really is. And in the book, I'm surprised there hasn't been more press about this. In the book, Artemis is, like, in the film, Artemis is still a traditionally pretty girl with just a birthmark. In the, uh, sorry, in the movie. In the book version, Artemis is shunned in school because she's overweight, she has, like, uh, no traditional features, she's very much a plain Jane character. Uh, and I'm surprised that that hasn't been a bigger story. There's a trope for that. It's called Hollywood Homely. Exactly. Uh, but I'm surprised there hasn't been more about that in 2018 with, they could, they could have had a chance to have a big, big message on body positivity and on inclusiveness and they didn't go for that. Now I know the film was made over the past several years, but that is a slight disappointment. Not saying the actress who portrayed Artemis in this, uh, um, wasn't amazing she was the characterization was perfect for the personality but it's a little 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 bit of a nitpick um i also think that some of the challenges in the movie while different from the book they're still really awesome uh my personal favorite thing in the movie was the whole sequence set in the overlook hotel uh the shining stanley kubrick of course 
made The Shining. Stephen King hates the movie adaptation, and it made perfect sense. They couldn't probably get the rights to what they were using in the book, so they used The Shining instead. And, of course, because Spielberg and Kubrick were best friends. It makes sense for him to use a Kubrick film, and they used some of the things from The Shining perfectly. Uh, um, and Room 237, there's an entire documentary about it, so I loved the use of Room 237. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Hollywood homely uh, trope, of course, coming in. Uh, but, yeah, I think the plot overall was very entertaining and very well put together. And it does, of course, have a message of positivity at the end, uh, success. And, uh, JP, I'm interested, you said you were surprised by the ending. I'm, I'm interested to see why you were surprised by the ending, because it, it's very much a Spielberg happy ending. It is. I, I, don't, uh, I don't deny that. Um, uh, no, I, at, at the very end, when he completed the final challenge and it turned out to not be the final challenge, that, that did actually get me. Um, yeah. It is very much just like the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, mm-hmm. where you get to the Easter egg, and it's not, well, in this case, the Holy Grail, and it's not the right grail. A very similar uh, kind of ending there. I, I did not, that was from the book. I did not expect them to be uh, playing Atari 2600 games as the final challenge either. However, what I will say is that when I saw that they were choosing Atari 2600 games, I knew almost immediately what game they were going to end on since I knew they were looking for an Easter egg. Um, very... <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Um, sorry, guys, we had a technical difficulty there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's. I agree. that The use of the adventure uh, as the final challenge. In the book, the Atari game is the second challenge. Yeah. Uh, but it makes perfect sense that it would be coming out right there at the end. Because, of course, the simplest challenge is the last one. Right? Yes. The simplest one is the last one. Always. Uh, and the, the race, which wasn't in the book, was an amazing opening cinematic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, Matt, uh, do you think that the movie as a whole was constructed a good narrative? Because like, I know that you, you just said the pop, the pop culture references were a little overwhelming. Yeah. But do you think that the story still came through as a cohesive story? Yeah. It, uh, it was completely cohesive. Don't get me wrong. It's just... I, I kept finding myself distracted trying to I'd see how many pop culture references I could identify, and that may just be because I'm a freaking weirdo, but... We all are. We're on this yeah, show yeah, together. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like I was counting Ninja Turtles at one point, and... I was counting Mortal Kombat yeah. references. Yeah, sure. it's, it's like, honestly, my, my biggest gripe with the movie, which I realize is a, a lot pettier than, uh, than, than missing an opportunity for body positivity... My, my biggest gripe was actually that I felt like there wasn't enough about Dungeons and Dragons. There was like maybe one or two references with the generalized generic wizard appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was a huge part of the book, by the way. Yeah, and it's like I, I was hoping for a little bit, a little bit more uh, references to pen and paper. Like it I makes said, sense. It, it's petty, but, you know. <laughs> and actually, if I remember correctly, the, even though Adventure was in the book, I think one of the challenges in the book was simply playing Pong. I think mm-hmm. it was because it was going back to the earliest game. But again, I, I, could, I think it was a human-sized Pong. Uh, but I, again, I could be wrong mm-hmm. about that. Uh, the particulars 
leave me begging. Uh, Deja, what were your thoughts on the final product? I I've, I loved the movie. Um, I it, it kept me. Kept me watching. It kept me watching. Yeah, I mean, it didn't um, feel like it took two and a half hours. No, no. I, yeah, I, I said that. I stand by it. It now, uh, so I think we're all saying this is a good movie. You should yes. probably all go see it. Absolutely. Uh, and I think honestly, once it hopefully comes to Netflix, Hulu, something like that, this is a movie that will require multiple viewings mm-hmm. because you'll watch it once for the story. Then you'll watch it the second time and just write down every time you see a character that you're looking for. Yeah. And yeah. there probably will be a game in and of itself to see who can find this character where they show up. There might even be a, a, a DVD special feature, although that's not really a thing anymore. But it might be very well like... You could... At this second, in this... Here you go. Uh, when this movie comes out on DVD, you could... Um, or, or on Netflix and Hulu and all that. Um, you, you could make bingo cards and play Ready Player One bingo with how many characters just show up. Or a drinking game. Point. Drinking game, yes. If you want to die. Yeah. <laughs> I got Gundam Wing! I got Gundam Wing! <laughs> okay, one thing I do want to I do want to ask you guys. Um, with that orb, once it was activated, did I, did I see correctly a D20? Inside of it? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Okay. I, that well, orb I, might actually be from D and D. I don't know. I don't yeah, think I don't know so. I, I, I think well. it was. I think it may have actually. I'd have to look again, but I think it may have actually been a D twelve. Okay, maybe D twelve. But that makes but, sense. It didn't seem to have enough. It's, it, it, it looked like there weren't enough facets for a D twenty. And I, mm-hmm. the Latin that was used as the way to um, do the curses was. Um, I don't know where it comes from originally, but it was definitely used in the theme song for the Undertaker when he was in the ministry. Mm. That was the opening of his theme song. So, again, maybe another underhanded reference from Steven Spielberg. Who knows? But, yeah, the acting was spot on. Uh, the characterization was spot on. Last question for all of us. If the Oasis existed today, would you be a user or would you try to avoid it? Uh, totally be a user, no question. I would probably use it here and there. But I think I would make a personal point of not getting way too sucked into it. Because I, I realize it's really easy for me to like get into habits that I, I have. I definitely have yeah. the potential for an addictive personality type. So I would be. I would probably limit myself to like, you know, like maybe a couple times a week. Yeah, like they did at the end of the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would probably. I'd probably limit myself to four hours. Um, and definitely have four hours a day or four hours a week. Four hours an hour. A day, <laughs> but I would like they took what Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, completely yeah. unplugged. I would keep one or two days completely unplugged. Which that is a plot line. Um, that's a plot hole. I just realized yeah. Tuesday and Thursday isn't the same for everyone around the globe. Yeah, but they do establish that there's probably a universal time within the game because when they give each other times they don't know what time zone they're in that's true so it's universal time code there's probably yeah yeah, there's probably a (laughs) game there's probably a server time it's -hmm. good to remember to shave yeah Yeah. do we know that everybody in the clan in the clan of five is legally able to consent to signing a contract i'm pretty sure only one of them is over 18 so probably not (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, in this world, it's not about those logistical problems. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Wade and or Wade and Samantha are living at the end together, and, you know, 
the last scene made it perfectly clear that they are not just living together in, in peaceful acrimony. Yeah. Man, my windows are all fogged up. It looks like we're doing something that's not a podcast in here. I'm, I'm saying well, that. we're doing something that Wade and Samantha were doing at the end of the film. Uh, and Josh, would you join the Oasis? I would. I, I, I would probably be a casual, maybe find ways to sustain that habit, i.e., you know, figuring how to uh, keep a character alive, make some money on the side with it. Um, I... I, I would, though, very much be a casual like I am in most games. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I like to actually go out and do stuff. Deja, what are you drawing on my window? Something <laughs> casual! <laughs> this is cool. Well, yeah. It, it was on its way to being something dirty, but it's not. Yeah, so B&Q has gone off the rails. But yes, I'd be in an oasis, I think, too. I'd, I'd probably be the curator, as in the movie, because that's what I do in real life, and I'd have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> One thing in the book, though, the oasis was actually much more important in the book, because, like, Wade went to school in the oasis... Uh, like you could do real world things in the Oasis in addition to just your fun stuff. Okay. So I think that that might be something that you might want to consider. Uh, but yeah, I obviously I would play as well, and because it's not just playing, it's another whole other world, and that'd be kind of fun. Especially and oh, and fun fact: the reason the movie set in Columbus is because in the movie, climate change has taken out all the major Atlantic metropolitan areas. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's why Columbus is a big city. Uh, but we all recommend Ready Player One, and Matt, if you will quickly dispatch of Jar Jar. Well, Josh, turns out Jar Jar went to the theater with us and decided this Oasis thing seemed like a great way to hide from us. He was wrong. <laughs> because, you see, he got all caught up in the idea of winning something and redeeming himself after the unfortunateness that was the prequels. And in the race, what you don't see is that he goes onto the track tries to get in his car, only to be backed over by the DeLorean. Jar Jar dead by the DeLorean via Ready Player One. It is only fitting. So for Matt, Rachel, Deja, and JP, this is Josh. Thanking you for listening to this big, nerdy quickie. We will catch you again very soon.